Because maybe before I give you the, we read the scripture. Uh, aren't you glad we're all different? Eh? Yeah? We, there's nuances to each of us, and, and uh, we don't always get things right, but we, we give it a go. So this farmer and his wife were attending a country fair, and um, they were fascinated by airplanes at one show, and they, were, they asked this one pilot, how much a ride would cost? And he says, um, it would cost 300 rand for three minutes. Uh, but the farmer said, that's just too much, no ways. So pilot thought for a second and said, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If you and your wife ride for three minutes without uttering a sound, the ride will be free. But if you make a sound, you have to pay the 300 rand. The farmer and his wife agreed and went for a wild ride. I mean, all over. After they landed, the pilot said to the farmer, I want to congratulate you for not making a sound. You're a brave man. Maybe so, said the farmer. But I've got to tell you, I almost screamed when my wife fell out. <laughs> I don't know if you love to tell those jokes in church, but... Forgive me if you're not. Um, but it does stick to our values, eh? He valued the 300 rand more than... <laughs> anyway, he needs prayer. Like this other guy, <clears throat> this uh, a fairy told this married couple, for being an exemplary married couple for 25 years, I'll give you each a wish. I want to travel around the world with my dearest husband, said the wife. The fairy moved her magic wand and... Abracadabra, tickets, two tickets appeared on her hands, and now it was the husband's turn. He thought for a moment and said, well, this moment is very romantic, but an opportunity like this only occurs once in a lifetime. So I'm, I'm sorry, my love, but my wish is to have a wife 30 years younger than me. The wife was deeply disappointed, but a wish is a wish. The fairy made a circle with a magic wand, and suddenly the husband was 90 years old. Huh? <laughs> 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 eh? <laughs> get you back, Brit. Get you back, moment, eh? Yeah, but uh, life sometimes is challenging. How many found that life is challenging, eh? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah? <clears throat> this one couple lived a couple of, or well, they drove a couple of kilometers uh, outside Durban, and uh, without speaking at all. And an earlier discussion had led to an argument, so they got into silent mode. Anybody know about that? Silent modes, hey? you know about those things? And neither wanted to concede their position. They wouldn't be the first to break the silence, so they're stuck. As they passed a barnyard full of mules and pigs, the wife sarcastically asked, relatives of yours? <laughs> Husband said, yep, my in-laws. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, brave, brave or stupid man, one way or the other. Hey? Anyway. <clears throat> you want another story? you really want to, I'll give you one more. There's a man who's sitting quietly reading the newspaper and his wife sneaks up behind him and whacks him on the head with a frying pan. What is that for, he says. It is for the piece of paper in your pocket with the name Mary Lou written on it, she replies. Two weeks ago when I went to, Ray Me to Bay Meadows, Mary Lou was the name of one of the horses I bet on, he said. She looks satisfied, apologizes and goes back to what she was doing. Three days later, he's again sitting in his chair reading when she nails him with an even bigger frying pan, knocking him out cold. When he comes to you, he says, what on earth was that for? He says, your horse phoned. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, 
we have to think about what we're living for and what's important in us, to, in our lives. So let's go to Luke chapter 12 and, and open this. It's uh, the fourth in the series of, of uh, money matters and getting our perspectives right and our faith correct and values in terms of stewardship. So we're going to pick up in Luke chapter 12 today and we're going to read from verse, uh, <coughs> verse 13. Someone in the crowd says to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance from me. So this, this parable, this teaching we're about to get, is in answer to this request that uh, an inheritance would be properly divided. And uh, Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to him, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man pr produced a crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger, bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. Then I'll say to myself, you have plenty of goods laid up for you for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. God says that sometimes, eh? This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. And of course, the opening thing we want to note is that there are various forms of greed. So you've got notes in front of you. I'm not going to stick them, but you're welcome to follow along in those things. But there are various forms of greed. And we, we see greed in our nation in South Africa. One of our biggest issues is all the corruption that is greed-motivated, isn't it? Uh, uh, that entitlement thing and affirmative action has been a disastrous policy politically and economically. It's brought about a mindset that has been crippling for our nation and ongoingly will be so. We have no truck because it's an unbiblical pattern. Empowerment is right, but not entitlement. And, and the um, affirmative action has fed directly into entitlement, not empowerment. And that's the predominant experience of it. So we are completely committed to empowering people. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And I do believe it uh, does actually empower us in the totality of our lives, our relationships, our finances, our time management, our decision-making. We're empowered at every level by the, the gospel infiltrating us and helping us to live from the love of God, not for it. So it's a, it's a very powerful thing, and we, we need to make a, a clear distinction between entitlement and empowerment. Um, Various forms of greed. I mean, it's atrocious to us that we have to sit in a nation where the, the architect of corruption is still managing 25 years later to dodge his day in court. doesn't make sense. We can't call that a Christian nation. That is something that really needs correction. Um, with something like 36 million rand accrued in legal fees already at taxpayers' expense. So in every way, there's a facilitation of corruption. And maybe it's because there's so much dirt on others that doesn't want to come to, and so there's, there's a, a game being played to keep it away from the full public exposure. I'm just saying, I, I know this sounds a horrible way to start a, a Christian message, but I want us to understand the context of greed is disastrous for our world. And um, <clears throat> taxi violence that we've seen in the Cape, and we see it periodically all over the place. You see it on our own roads, right, Jane Kabecha, and uh, how we, we have to contend with the, the chase of the taxi in order to make just another few bucks, get there quicker. And uh, it's this greed-drivenness that there's no patience with the kindness required in, in healthy humanity. Um, but greed takes different shapes as well. Greed takes the shape of, of demand for instant gratification. 
if you have sex with someone with whom you're not yet married, there's, a, there's, a, there's an expression of greed in that because God, is, God made sex like he made a fire. And the fire is meant to be in a fireplace in the middle of winter, not in a lounge carpet in the middle of summer. You know what I'm saying? There's a place and an appropriateness about it. And, and sexual intimacy was designed by God for the marriage relationship. Anything outside of that is, is not what God intended. And it's, it speaks of a, a greed that wants to do everything his or her own way. And all forms of instant gratification are thereby actually other expressions of greed. We want to name it. There's also church greed, eh? where churches can be so self-focused that we're not really committed to the wider body of Christ. And you just remember, the only church, the reason the church exists is to serve the kingdom of God. Uh, if, you, if you're a theological, biblical thinker, just get this one, that uh, the kingdom of God is a critical corrective for the church. All healthy church will take its, its mandate and its direction and its values from how it can best serve the kingdom. If we get that right, it results in healthy church. If we don't get that right, we, we get into manipulation. And there are churches that will major on, on trying to look perfect and right. So they, ha- they exercise the greed of canvassing across the city and hiring in, hiring in uh, literally with cash, those that can come and serve in their place to the detriment of all the other places. Eh? Uh, and that's, a, that's an expression of church greed uh, where we're not in- interested in the welfare of the body of Christ. We're interested in our little empire. God has called us radically in the vineyard to make sure that wherever we land, we want to be a blessing to the city and all the churches in that city that proclaim the gospel. So we want to be praying for other churches and blessing them and releasing members there if, if, if it can be helpful. But we're not going to be buying in and, and literally using mammon uh, in the house of God. Uh, there's just something deeply dis- destructive about that. Um, Along with it is obviously the competitiveness rather than a complementary approach. And in our city, we have seen some wonderful, wonderful moves over the last 35 years of unity and cooperation and, and support for one another. And there's a, a citywide leadership that, that seeks to exercise significant collaboration and accountability with each other um, and increasingly getting the ear of, of governmental authorities. Uh, so we can be grateful for the unity of the church. And where the church works in unity, huh, there the gospel is proclaimed. And so this place that we live in, Kabecha, uh, has an open heaven, I believe. It. God has given us opportunity to reach others for him. It's actually, therefore, a good place to plant churches. Huh? It's easy. It's much easier to plant church in PE than in some of the other places that we've been at, huh? just to say. Um, but but uh, greed, all forms of greed. Huh? Greed is not just about... Uh, the wealthy. Greed is often fueled, not just by the pride and arrogance of the wealthy, but also fueled by the fear that comes alongside poverty. So a poverty mindset can lean you into greed. I'm calling our way to church some time ago in another, in another nation, and, and uh, they had a coffee table out, and, and there were little sachets of milk. And the people in front of us came and grabbed like 10 sachets each to make milk coffee. By the time half the queue could get to the coffee table, there's no more milk. They all had black coffee. And I think that's, that's a denial of, a, of the values that we're worshiping God for, you know. Uh, hang with the rest as long as I get my milk coffee, you know. And it's, it's tragic. Paul says the same thing in Corinthians when he writes to correct an abuse in the Corinthian church. He says, when you come to break bread, some of you must eat at home first and make sure there's enough for everybody. Because for them... Uh, communion wasn't just a nip and a sip like it is in many of our churches. It was a meal. But those who got to the table first would 
finish it. And the others, we just have the thought to go on. Uh, so poverty can, can make us very self-seeking. Hey? Uh, so it's important that when we have these annual reminders through our generosity tables, and things, a reminder of uh, the, the freedom and the greater joy of giving than of receiving. Hey? It's more blessed to give. And the word he used for blessing in, in, in that scripture is makarios, um, which directly translated means to be made ecstatically happy. That you can be made ecstatically happy by giving something away. Happier than by getting it. Eh? Isn't, that, isn't that a wonderful thing? So we're always free to become ecstatically happy because you're always free to give. Eh? To give it away. Uh, and so those who participate in the giving side of, of the generosity tables are even more blessed, and we know that others are blessed by the receiving, but they're more blessed in the giving than, than in the getting. So there are various forms of, of, of greed. But if I look at God's economic plan, and if you read like Leviticus 25, you read Isaiah 61, which Jesus took for himself and says, this day the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And he proclaimed, if you read that scripture, it talks about how he'll give us beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. I, I like that distinction. It's a year of favor and a day of vengeance. The, the climate God wants his people to live in is one of favor. It's jubilee. S uh, slaves are set free. Uh, land is rested. Debts are canceled. It's celebration. It's, it's, and that's our life. Jesus says, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I am the jubilee on legs. Jesus brings it to us. So then, and he brings it <clears throat> in his life, his death, and his resurrection. How he lived, he lived the jubilee. Eh? He touched, he healed all who came to him. He fed the multitude. He threw picnics for 5,000 men plus women and children on a Galilean hillside. Jesus was into jubilee celebration. Uh, how he died vicariously for us, and how he rose again to give us a, uh, an empowered in sh a share in the... the uh, um, the significance of his sacrifice and then the empty tomb by his resurrection, his ascension, and Pentecost. And that ushered in the first corporate tangible expression of Jubilee that we have in, in, uh, in biblical history. Because on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, what did they do? Remember, one of the first things, besides the, the tongues, the missionary tongues that were being heard, remember the first thing that happened? They began to share. And it said on that, as a conclusion to that, um, to that testament in, in, in Acts 2 and again in Acts 4, that there was not a needy one amongst them. They shared what they had, some sold property in order to, to liquidate and turn it into cash to help others. And there was a, a commitment that there would be enough for all. If you go back to God's original economic plan where he talked about tithing, he says in Malachi 3, he says, when you, if, you, if you stop robbing me and you bring it in, there will be food in my house food and seed in my house, that there'll be enough for all. God's plan was always, and I still think it's God's scheme for, the, for, for global humanity. There's enough in this world for all to eat. No one needs to be hungry. If we manage this world and its resources in a God-honoring way, everyone's needs will be met. Every refugee, eh? and there are thousands, there are millions of refugee displaced people in our own continent and in Middle East and all sorts of places, displaced people that, that suffer terribly uh, and suffer terribly also because of the fear of those who are being invaded by refugees, economic refugees and, and other motivated uh, uh, flight. 
and the fear of, of losing what we have uh, keeps us back from having that sharing attitude. So if we were to work it God's way, we'd find there would be sufficient across the board. <clears throat> so I think it's marvelous that we become a spirit-led people, that uh, we are not going to be driven by fear. We will not have, have greed as part of our, our, our testimony. God wants to set us free from that. And so we're also saying here, as he says, there are different types of, of greed, verse 15, and you go on in uh, uh, also the second half of that same verse. All kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possession. So he's saying that greed actually is when your life consists, it finds its rooting, its security in what you own. But here's the thing. You can, you can be owned by what you own. You can be possessed by your possessions. And you can turn down the invitation to live adventurously because you're afraid it might some way or another compromise your, your possessions, compromise what you own. And that's a form of greed. Whenever your life is, is ruled by the focus on temporal things, you know you're on the edges of the, of the greed dynamic. I don't know if that makes sense. It's getting quiet in the house, but uh, I want you to think about these things. And so Paul warns us in Ephesians 5, 3 to 5, he talks about greed as a form of idolatry, and he lists it along with other huge mistakes that people were making on sins. And, and, and you know that Jonah says, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. Francis Assisi, when he has that uh, epiphany, that experience uh, of God and realizes the, uh, the joy of living with him uh, with abandonment. And, and Rob, you had a prophetic word earlier just reminding us just to, to put it out there that uh, if we want to be made holy like God, like our Heavenly Father is holy, then kindness is the name of the game because he's kind. And, and uh, Francis Assisi had, uh, had that, that revelation, the kindness of God. And, and his father was a wealthy, wealthy merchant and owned lots and lots of business. He, and he, he inherited this, took it, and, and gave it away, and chose Lady Poverty, if I can, in his language. Uh, he chose Lady Poverty because he felt that he didn't want to be owned by all these things. And he, he and, and Sister Claire began to move in a whole new thing, which became the Franciscan Order. Um, and uh, our, our present Pope has been strongly influenced by that, the present, not our Pope, but the present Pope in, in Rome, uh, has been uh, directly influenced by the Franciscan values. So that's a wonderful thing, and I do believe that he, he knows the Lord from that. So the effects of greed, huh? let's go back to Luke, uh, Luke 12, uh, 17. This is what happens with greed. He says, um, and I want you to notice how, how much he thinks of himself here. It leads to this presumption. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. There's this whole presumption like it all depended on him. And the next few verses, it's a, just repeated again and again, which leads to false security, which he says in verse 19. Um, uh, I'll say to myself, you have plenty of goods to laid up for, for, for many years. Take life easy, uh, eat, drink, and be merry. So it's a security that is based on these. How many of you how many of you have been in a situation like with AA Mutual many years ago? We were insured by AA Mutual, and a, a company that should insure you themselves were liquidated, huh? It's like when you're paying someone to protect you, and your protector turns into your aggressor, huh? Drops the ball. Um, so there's a different securities, and this leads to a false one, this greed. 
in verse 21, he says, uh, this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. Um, it decreases spiritual wealth. There's just something about having less uh, that helps us enjoy life more because you're not encumbered by all this stuff. Huh? When, you, when you have so much that you've got to spend your life just looking after, maintaining, maintaining, and for what? <laughs> Uh, life becomes heavy. I know when we go on mission trips or any kind of trip, I, 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 the less I take, the more I enjoy the journey. Hey? I love to go very light, toothbrush, toothbrush in the pocket kind of travel, you know. Uh, and that's only because of the people next to me, you know. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. The lighter we travel, the more we can enjoy life in the present, in the now, and eat off the land, live off the land, as, as I often say. Just find whatever there is to eat as we go along whether that be a roasted mealy or a sun-dried rat. You enjoy the as you go. But living in the present, uh, God would have us to, to travel much lighter than we do. And Jesus sent his disciples, you know, when you go, travel light, eh? Don't take spare stuff. And if somebody asks you and you've got a jacket and a shirt, give them your jacket, you know. Uh, help those around you, be available. So watch out for that which decreases spiritual wealth because you, you're possessed by your possessions. And then the, the next thing I want to say, and this comes out of James, James 4, the brother of Jesus wrote this, um, how it, uh, all kinds of greed are wrapped up in our, our desire to acquire. And it uh, brings about an ugly selfishness and a, and a disharmony in relationships. This is where conflicts come from because you want it and you can't get it and you become hostile to those around you and you find it hard to celebrate your neighbor's success, your neighbor's inheritance. Uh, you wish it was your own, and there's an envy and a jealousy that, that pollutes your soul. And before you know it, you become a polluted person, huh? Uh, instead of celebrating when others win around you, you know, uh, and, uh, and realizing that that's how God's called us to, to live this alternative life. So I hope that's making sense to you. But, you know, there are two places in particular in the Scriptures where Jesus uses this word fool, as it were, from the mouth of God. And this... Uh, Besides, besides this one here, two other places in, in chapter 11, verse, verse 40. If you just flip back in, in Luke 11, verse 40, he says, uh, uh, You foolish people, did, you, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And he's addressing a religious conflict here. Those that are focusing on the outside of the cup, not the inside. And he calls them foolish. Interesting, huh? When you major, on, on, like in terms of local church, Major on your people looking like they're sinless, looking good, because they must, and they, they're petrified because your pastors are more like policemen than pastors, and they, they're going to name and shame if they don't conform. Uh, they might conform, much like if I take a pig and scrub it and wash it and perfume it and put a ribbon around it, it'll look like it's conforming to a new mode. But when I let it go, what does it do? Straight back to the mud, because the, the, the damage is really in the heart. That's where the, the attraction to mud is. So we've got, we got to clean the heart. And Jesus is warning us in Matthew 23 also to clean the inside of the cup and not just the outside. Um, and the, the other place where, where he uses the word fool, so it's foolish to be religious is the point I'm trying to make. It's foolish to have an emphasis on just obeying the rules. But where's the heart? The heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. So just, I mean, I had a guy who said to me years ago, I can't come to church because... Um, my Mercedes is broken. I've got to go in my bucky. I don't want to be seen with my bucky. <laughs> Another guy said, around the same time, he said, I can't come because I haven't got a suit. Well, those are the days I'm still wearing suits to church. Yeah? We dress down now, not up. But um, 
And that was what bothered him. I said, both, both these guys said, since when and where in the Bible does God say that you've got to present yourself so that man can think you're doing well? What about God? Where are you with him? And if, you, if Jesus had a free night and he wanted to connect with some people, you know where you go and find him? In the Shabins of Israel, in the, in the places where the scum of the land were hanging out, because those are the people that were much closer to accessing grace than the righteous Pharisees. They had to come and seek him out like Nicodemus in the night. They come look for him. And they had to run the risk of finding him in the Shabin. Uh, and you might say, well, what do we, uh, this, this foolish, this, this use of fool. Well, the other place in Scripture is by Paul, actually, in Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 20, let me just get it right, Ephesians 5, he says, verse, verse 17, he says, um, don't be foolish, he says, verse 17, uh, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is, Ephesians 5, 17. Do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So if you're not pursuing His will, you're foolish. It's as simple as that. To be wise, you've got to lean into God's wisdom. What is His will? How does He want us to do this? How does He want us to do that? How does He want us to govern our money, our time, our attitudes, our dress code, everything we do? Uh, what is God's way for it? And, and seek that out for yourself. Um, and as you do that, you'll find a, a whole new freedom from greed beginning to shape up because it won't, be, uh, it won't be dependent on what other people think or finding false security in these things. So the next section on this is just a couple of quick pointers. How to overcome greed? Well, love God. Choose. Make money your servant and not your master. You can't serve two. You've got to serve one or the other. Luke 16, 13. Learn contentment. We have another one. Philippians is very clear about that. Learn contentment. It's not a, it's not a gift that just comes to you. It's a, it's a lesson to be learned. So get better at it. Learn to be content with less. Lean into that. Uh, and, and let that apply in your workaday world. Uh, look to the interests of others. Make sure that it's not just you that, uh, um, that is going to profit from some possibility, but others around you and others in need around you. Make sure that you're, helped, that you're able to help them as well. Uh, I was taught that years, my first, one of my early, early lessons in that was um, by a woman in a, a military camp I was serving at the time uh, years ago, and she said to me, Lieutenant, I have a need, and I, I know you're Christian, won't you pray for me? And I said, sure. And I said, what is the need? She said, I need to pay the Sergeant Major back 150 Rand by next week. And uh, uh, I said, well, let's pray for that. By that time, I was saving. God already called me to the ministry, and I was getting ready to go uh, to study. And uh, by the next Friday, uh, I said, have you got the money? And I'd, I'd by that time saved 200 rand towards my varsity fees, which is a lot of money when you're only earning about 11 rand a month, you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'd saved it. And, and, I, and she said, no, not yet. She said, well, I think God wants me to give it to you. So I gave her 150. I had 50 bucks left. And then I got an account a week later from the university that said, we want the down payment, the first 600 rand. Said, okay. <laughs> what do we do there? So I said, Lord, now what? He said, you've, you've sown a seed in faith. Trust me with it. It's water it and nurture it in, in devotion. See what I'll do. And a week later, I got a letter from someone up country saying, God put this in my heart. Uh, you want to go and study theology. There's a check for a thousand rand. Now, when you're earning 11 rand a month, a thousand rand is some, some serious cash, eh? Uh, so I, I know that when we look at the, the needs of others around us, God looks after us. 
But if we're going to be self-made people like this guy in Luke 12, you're going to get Jesus saying, you fool. It's as simple as that, you fool. By the way, the Greek word for fool is muhu. <laughs> it genuinely is M-U-X-U, muhu. I think Afrikaners have got that word right too, eh? So you muhu. Um, and then the last thing I'd say about how to, how to overcome greed, live carefree. You know, we've got the saying, why pray when you can worry? <laughs> God wants to set us free from, 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 from worry huh, and teach us how to pray and how to release it in prayer. Um, what, a, what a wonderful old hymn we used to sing, what a friend we have in Jesus, carrying everything to God in prayer. Huh? Carry it all to Him in prayer. So how do you know when you're free from, from greed? Well, you're no longer grabbing for control. You don't have to be in charge. You can, God is in control. He's in the driving seat, and He will manage this thing. You're also, your, your life will be characterized by joy. There will be much more uh, willingness to laugh and to be abandoned in life. Um, abandon yourself to, to, to joy, characterized by joy, um, rather than these anxiety lines. And then the other part of it is that you'll find that there's an open connection between you and heaven, and you'll hear God better. Somehow, there won't be all this uh, uh, interference in your channel, your connectivity with God. There'll be a, a greater simplicity because He is your primary source. He is your Jehovah Jireh, your provider, your uh, El Shaddai, your all-sufficient God. And, and you can hear Him and you can find yourself free to walk in that because you, you know that when you get out of the boat and you walk on the water, He will sustain you. I think that's a wonderful thing. And then, obviously, in the process of that, we're going to learn, as opposed to greed, we're going to learn the art and the wonderful life adventure of, of contentment. So just a few comments about contentment. And you can read Luke 19, Jesus' encounter Zacchaeus. At what point did, did, do we know that Zacchaeus got saved? Was he when he climbed the tree, when he was called from the tree, when he had the meal with Jesus? We, you can argue at what point was his salvation effective. The only place we can be very sure is when Jesus said it was. He said, this day, salvation has come to this house. Why? Because he who was a taker became a giver. He wasn't into getting, but into giving. In that transfer from a getter to a giver, salvation became evident. So for us too, when we receive whatever bequeathment we get or salary or wage and we tithe it, we're saying, Lord, I just want to acknowledge that you are my provider. At that point, you're declaring like Zacchaeus. I'm not going to be possessed by my possessions. God is my supply. And it's a wonderful thing. But again, it comes from the heart. It doesn't come from a religious law. It's a practice that God's given us to, to exercise as a, as a guideline for thanksgiving, uh, gratitude-based living. So contentment, and Philippians 4, Paul writes all about that. Um, that you, you might want to read that sometime. But I'd like to just show you uh, Proverbs 30. Um, it's an interesting uh, Proverbs 30, just two verses, three verses, verse 7. He says, it's just two things I'm asking God for. He says, two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. The other are, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Help me to live with truth. Let me be honest about these things. Secondly, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. Isn't that interesting scripture, huh? to speak to us about the call to contentment. So Paul says in Philippians, we've learned contentment. We learn it. And 
It's directly related to generosity. Contentment is, is related to generosity because if you're content, then it's because God is your supply. And when there's a need, you, you bless and you sow. And, and you'll never, never outgive God. That, that's the adventure that we're talking about. And that's for personal finance, church finance. And we've seen that happen as a church. Uh, I, I want to just say this. This little impact vineyard that started over in um, Mangal Park. They've been there only this month. This is the first month in that place as Impact Vineyard. They just, uh, a few days ago, I think, I don't know if Gail's still in the house yet, but she can, was it beginning of this week or something like that? They said, we just want to say we are so grateful having a mother church that prays for us and supports us and encourages us. And we want to sow into straight away in the beginning. Their first month, they gave us 10,000 rand. The child, as it were, giving the parent 10,000 rand. Just to bless us. So I know they'll, they'll do well, huh? Impact Vineyard. Uh, with Peter Els, Peter and Gert. Um, you're all going to go there next week, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, just send your 10,000 rand as well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. It's like the little boy's dad gave him 10 rand for him to buy a candy on his way home from Sunday school and 50 rand to put in the collection plate. And he came home with a hang of a candy. His dad said to him, how much did the candy cost? He said, oh, it cost about 45 rand. I said, but how did you do that? I, you only had 10 for candy. He said, no, look, they, had the, they told me at Sunday school that you must give joyfully. I felt I could give the 10 rand more joyfully than the 50. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, God help us. Um, so the last thing I want to say, this is rooted in the power and the resources of God. That's, uh, that's God's... Uh, a way for us to, to live with uh, this kind of uh, contentment, to, be, to live secured in God, in His power, His resources. And as we do that, we're going to find ourselves being able to bloom wherever we planted. Uh, and I'm very concerned about p- displaced people. I feel like a, there's a, a thing about it. People that are displaced, displaced economically. Um, and for whatever other reason, you're not in the place of your of your choosing, where you really want to be, but you're having to be in a foreign place. I want to pray for people like that. That's not an easy thing. Uh, aren't we all aliens in a foreign land? In terms, Because this world is not our home. We're passing through. Hey? We should be sensitive and, and, and comforting towards the stranger amongst us. In any case, when you're hospitable towards a stranger, often you entertain angels unawares. That's the truth of it. Hey? Last to have Emil and Johanna, I feel like I've got two angels right there. Hey? Staying up at our place, and what a joy it is for us to get to know these Swedish people, and and uh, receive from them as as we as we also share with them. Um, um, I uh, I'm very I'm very conscious of the uh, uh, the the richness we have, the wealth we have, in the uh, uh, faith of the individuals in this church. There are so many people that are pressing into more in God. That's really quite a privilege to be part of this body. I, I love this church. I love what God's doing amongst us and. Uh, I hope to continue being here as long as God will give me breath. Uh, I believe that he wants us to, to be faithful in that. I'm very particularly blessed about some of the young people that God's been raising up. Uh, uh, is Connor here, Slo? Connor, where are you, bud? Eh? He's in Dean Church, you see. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, We've got some youngsters that are so passionate for God. And Connor's one of those guys. I'm just, you guys are blessed to have that man as a son, eh? Wonderful. And Christo, uh, he's, he's here. I don't know if he's here. Also there. You see, they come in the morning to serve, then they probably come at night to drink new wine here, yeah, whatever. 
Uh, I was thinking, Christian, is, is he in the house? He's probably also. He's one of the guys in the digs. He comes from a very difficult background. But Christo, uh, Cr Christian, what a joy. I was sitting and I'm talking the other day. And uh, when he spoke of uh, his father died about a year ago and uh, how that affected him very deeply. And in the pain of all that, he, he's made mistakes in life. And he's, he's just, his face just drops and he talks about those. And then, he's, then he remembers what the Lord has done for him. And he just breaks out into a smile from ear to ear. He's an absolute delight, this youngster. Christian, if you go and look for him, eh? go and look for him. Get, get yourself blessed there. You go talk to this, this youngster. He's uh, just such a heart for, for learning the things of God. So I'm very blessed by the people God's adding to us. Robbie Meredith, you guys too, man. Eh? Amazing depth of, of, of spirituality in the younger generation that's coming. So I'm going to stir up the, the evergreens amongst us. Eh? Learn to love those that are younger and give away what, you, what you've got in God. Uh, very grateful for the th ways God has helped us with that. But, but by no means should we have any resistance for those that are more needy than we'd like them to be. Let's press into that because God will be our resource and through us will channel all that they need. Huh? This is an adventure I'm inviting us to. Let's be exceptionally radical in opposing any forms of xenophobia, or the relational, gen generational xenophobia even. Huh? Pressing in. When Joseph shared last week, how many people have not said... Joseph, what you shared was very impactful. He's been displaced for how many years now? It's from Czechoslovakia, but how many years is it now? 55 years he's had to make his, his, his life here and uh, finding his home and family here in Fountain. What you shared last week was very helpful. So I appreciate that. Why do we stand together? <clears throat> We just say, come Holy Spirit, would you just come and breathe over the word that has been received in our hearts and stir us up to find the faith that can be mixed with it, bring about results that will be restorative, uh, that will be life-changing. I feel like God does want us to pray for people that struggle somewhat in the workplace. There's workplace challenges. Um, workplace challenges. Eh? Who's, who's got some difficulties and workplace challenges that you, you'd love to pray for? You'd like to invite the Lord to come in and, and, and manage that. Eh? Ends up those who feel like you've got a workplace challenge. Yeah? Whatever it might be. Would you mind, I'm going to ask you, come up, come up here, come make, make a line here. I'm going to pray for you guys specifically. Have you got any kind of workplace challenge? Um, it's not just money, it might be a relationship issue. Uh, <clears throat> might be a culture of your corporation that just hires and fires or is careless on uh, human issues. Uh, there might be stuff that's going down. Maybe you've got a, authority problems, people in directors and managers and leaders. And Gavin, you can't come up and talk about me. Eh? Just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> always like, but if I talk about that, he wants to come for prayer. So <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're going to pray for these people. Can somebody come and pray with them? Just come and join us. We just, if you have a heart to come and pray for these people, come and stand. Come, Dale, you need to come in. This guy's got a heart for workplace uh, faith. So come. If you want prayer, just stand here with your hands out in front of you. And we know you want prayer. That's a good way. It's also an attitude of receiving 
Let's have a couple people standing. If you're going to pray for them, just come stand in front of them if you don't mind. Let's see what God's going to do. They might speak words of encouragement, words of, of wisdom to them. Just come stand in front of them so they can hear what you're praying. That'll be helpful. Okay. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in this place, Lord, right now. We bless the work of your Spirit. Maybe some more people can pray on this side here, guys. Can someone come pray here? Come join us. Pray with this side here. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, Mike. Come join him over here. Thank you. Can have more than one praying for each person as well. Okay. Anyone here that needs a prayer for healing today? Um, you really need God to come and heal some physical ailment for yourself or someone you know that is um, in physical trouble, you want God's healing power, come join the line as well. We'd love to take some time to pray. <coughs> yeah. As people come, just come up and stand with them and pray. Let me show. Come and join them. Thanks, Ricky. Okay. Anyone else come, for, come up? If you want prayer, just stand with your hands in front of you and we'll know to pray for you. Guys, come pray. Come on. Come and join us. See what God's going to do. It might be a child in your family. Let's see what God's going to do this morning. Thank you, Lord. As you see people come, why others of you come and join? Just come and pray. <clears throat> it's amazing how God works through just simple prayer. It's not your power. It's the power of God. And He needs your prayers. Needs you to speak it. Thank you, Lord. That's right. Thank you, Lord. Someone here this morning has come to church feeling like I've got to get wisdom for a decision I'm having to make. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. you you're on the edge of an important decision. Uh, you know who you are because you thought about it. You thought, I'm trusting God will speak to me in this meeting today. Why don't you come up as well? We'd love to pray with you and see what words God would speak that might be very formative and directional for you as well. Confirming the wisdom you've already been leaning into. Bless what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And if there's anybody in this house today that's come amongst us that doesn't know Jesus in a personal relationship, you only know about him religiously or, or from the Bible, but have you met him? If you want to know him, I would encourage you not to, not to leave without coming for prayer. We'd love to introduce you to the Lord. So this is an opportunity for uh, a start of a fresh relationship with, with the Lord Jesus Christ who wants to be your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in this house today. Bless what you're doing, Lord. Faithful in all your ways. So Lord, we bless these people right now in your name as they continue to receive ministry, as your Spirit ministers to them. Thank you for the freedom that you're imparting to them. 
And Lord, thank you for your presence in this house today as we feed on your, on your life in worship and as, on your word as we uh, wait on you. Thank you that you nourish us. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We receive from you today, Lord. And we continue to receive from you as we fellowship together uh, in the lounge and coffee shops. So go and enjoy that. I think there's some pancakes, pancakes or something for sale there at the back. You're welcome to go and get some of that as well. But God bless you guys. Thank you. <laughs>